Hi, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of... What did you say to call it? Mocha? Mocha. Uh, <laughs> because there's a white person on the call. <laughs> um, I'm Aaron. And I'm Leslie. And we're your co-host. Josh could not be here today um, for serious, serious reasons. Um, we will miss you, Josh. Um <laughs> did <laughs> we had surprise guests come to his home and we all know how southerners why you say his business <laughs> i didn't say who his guests were i just said that he had surprise guests lord he puts his business on facebook anyways we're all gonna know who his guests are in about 24 hours you're right you are absolutely correct okay so before we begin be sure to follow us on instagram our handle is at black podcast and also to be sure to give us a rating and a review on apple podcast so that we can get more audiences today we've got some steaming hot topics first we're going to be talking about rihanna finally uh gaining her title as a billionaire talking about do we support her do we not and then secondly we're going to talk um about something that leslie and i both are very um have strong opinions about which is pretty much what we hate about uh any kind of like books and like book uh reviewing culture social media shit um but before we do that leslie yes aaron let's <laughs> let's get into some political tea <laughs> all right so um recently according to forbes mag forbes magazine rihanna is now worth 1.7 billion dollars so she is the uh one of the uh the wealthiest uh uh mus- woman musicians in like the world um and she's the second wealthiest uh quote female entertainer coming after oprah um and a lot of people were very happy for her because they thought of this as black success black excellence um but some people were like well i don't really give a fuck because i'm still gonna eat the rich and rihanna is now included in that i think um it's one of those things where you can feel both ways simultaneously. We are complex creatures. We can feel multiple things at once. Um, I like Rihanna as a performer, as an entertainer, as like who I perceive her to be as a person from what I see on media. So like, I am happy to see a woman have this kind of um, predominance in society to have this kind of like achievement. I also do believe that we should eat the rich and divide their wealth. So, Rihanna, we're coming for you. I hope oh. you're ready. <laughs> I don't believe that it is ethical to be a billionaire. So I don't think it's right. But, like, we've also seen Rihanna earn it in a way. Because we've seen her, like, make her brands that she's wanted to make. Like, her skincare and her makeup and her lingerie things that she's talked about being passionate about for a long time and we've got to see them come to fruition so I think it's like a more organic connection for people than say like Jeff Bezos or that man from South Africa whose name I always forget Elon Musk that one yeah that apartheid man (laughs) I think oh sorry no I think it's like a more organic witnessing of it so I feel less antagonistic towards Rihanna because I've seen like what she's been doing I also like think that her products are a little bit more like important because what she's doing is creating Mm -hmm. space and makeup and skincare and lingerie for like people of different skin tones people of different backgrounds people of different body shapes and I think she's like providing more than say these other billionaires kind of are. Mm-hmm. I think that organic approach to her becoming a billionaire is, I feel like, what some people are like, what kind of, I guess, is like, pisses some people off. Because, and I don't, I don't know Rihanna's politics and like how she votes and stuff, but um, a lot of uh, Black conservatives talk about this. Um, idea of like the way to close the racial wealth gap is not by doing like welfare and reparations and other like very leftist policies like that whereas they think that the way to close the racial wealth gap is through black people owning more businesses and becoming ceos and 
and eventually becoming billionaires like this. Like that is like the way to quote, liberate ourselves from the racial love gap is to become like these people that we see. I saw someone comparing it to like, um, uh, seeing these like people like Oprah Winfrey and um, Robert Johnson, who started BET, if you don't know, um, and like now Rihanna as being um, these figures as being somewhat, they're comparing them to like, like Harriet Tubman um, in a sense that like Harriet Tubman freed like the slaves. And, <laughs> and they're saying like, well, in this way, it's kind of like we're freeing black people from like the racial wealth gap because these are your hopes, these are your dreams to like make it like they do. Um, which I mean, I'm not saying that's what, I'm not saying that's what Rihanna believes, but like I feel like that is what people are saying. And also the fact that like just because she is a black woman doesn't necessarily mean that we still have to um to like uh just like be happy that she's a billionaire which i mean i i think you can do both you can be proud that she you know is successful but also like i mean it's not ethical to be a billionaire because there is obvious levels of exploitation when you are a billionaire when you said they were comparing them to Harriet, <laughs> the only thought in my head was Nicki Minaj. <laughs> talking about, did Harriet Tubman stop when she was leading the slaves to freedom? <laughs> That's the only thought in my brain. Oh, actually, I'm glad that was the only thought in your mind. But, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like, can't we have both? Can't we have, like, the scenario where we are doing reparations, we are doing more in, like, social welfare, but also encouraging more business? Isn't that the idea behind social wel welfare, that it's helping people get out of the pit of poverty so they can be successful? Because, first of all, they have to get out of poverty, to have money to invest so they're not spending all their money on surviving, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, wouldn't they work together? Can't we have both? Why do we, why are we having to pick a side? Why are we having to pick one? I feel like I'm polyamorous, I don't pick one. I feel like we have to pick a side because the First very, very extreme leftists are so anti-capitalist and that all we talked about is the ethics of being a billionaire and how it's wrong to be a billionaire as a polyamorous bisexual we can have it all <laughs> we can have it all i don't think they want it all i don't think they want billionaires exist even if it is a black woman you know what that's fair i don't think that we should have billionaires exist but i think we can like more people can have businesses and be successful but i think we kind of have to redefine what do we consider success is being a billionaire successful or is like living a comfortable life and being able to support yourself off of the um, fruits of your own labor successful? That makes sense. Okay, that makes it sounds like you're like separating, like, okay, billionaire aside, Rihanna's successful for all of that she's done with Fenty. Yeah. Because, and Fenty Savage, because it's like, more inclusive of different body types and different skin tones, which is good because that's what we want. And we can separate that success from the quote success of like her being a billionaire. Because if we look at, um, what's that man's name? Elon Except Musk. Elon Musk and um, <laughs> Jeff Bezos. <laughs> I can't tell you anything about them besides they're a billionaire who decided to build dick rockets and go to space. Um, and that Elon Musketeer married Grimes and that they have a kid whose name looks like I slammed my head into the keyboard. <laughs> I can tell you about them. But I can tell you that Rihanna was a musician or a singer, I suppose, a pop star. Oh, you said was. Where's the music? <laughs> anyway. That she's an entrepreneur, that she is 
invested in like makeup and skincare and obviously has like put a lot of thought into the formulas behind it because I don't see that many bad reviews of her stuff Mm -hmm. and she uses it on herself which I think is really telling and then like did her whole thing with Savage Fenty so I think like I can see where Rihanna I can see what Rihanna is interested in and see what she is investing in whereas these other two bozos are kind of just like buying up everything like it's a game of monopoly and it's like i'm gonna get all the parks and charge everyone seven thousand dollars to be alive i wonder if like i'm obviously not in rihanna's head but like i wonder if like she so she is a billionaire and Mm -hmm. like one of the very few like black women who are billionaires um but i wonder if she probably and it sounds like she i mean she probably would because she's she just seems like a very good person using her like status as a billionaire to actually help more than what she could before she was a billionaire because I would she hope has so. that she's kind of privilege now. um i mean i feel like oprah I mean, we can say what we want about Oprah, but I feel like she has a reputation of being a philanthropist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like Rihanna can also build that relationship. I don't think Bezos and Muscadine have that um, reputation. I think Bezos's wife does. But I feel like Rihanna, it's, I feel like being a billionaire is what you make of it. I don't think it's right. But I think that they can choose to be better than um, not. I do think that, maybe this is controversial, I do believe in there being a cap on your wealth. Oh, yes. I don't think you should go past a certain point because I think that it's just so easy to keep making money and to just have it. That it's kind of, how do you spend that much money? That's the real question. How do you just fucking spend it? What are you going to buy? You don't spend it. That that you don't spend it. You invest it and make more money, and then you're literally just hoarding wealth. Because I mean, if you just have like if you so say you have like a billion. I'm not. I don't know shit about economics. But let's just say you have a billion dollars sitting in your bank account, and you're like, ooh, I'm gonna invest a million dollars. Which I don't million- think. Me also knows nothing about economics. I don't think they have the billion in their bank account, right? They're just worth a billion. It's like their net worth. So it's like all their businesses, all their assets. I'm sure, like, their actual checking account is not as much as we think it is. Well, let's but. just say you have a billion dollars worth of assets, and you can't invest in those assets. And so you invest in those assets, and you invest, if you have a billion dollars of assets, and you invest a million, which is only a small portion of a billion, and you do that, and you continue to make more money off literally just, like, it's sitting there, then, like, I mean... You, but you start to have more money than you know what to deal with. And so you just keep collecting and collecting because you can't spend it all. Like besides like, buying like maybe like, well, like a small country or something. Like what? I don't maybe know. Maybe poor, but I don't even know what I would do with a million dollars. I don't either. Buy a house, maybe. Maybe I'd buy a building. I would pay off my student loans. I would pay off my car payment. I would, <laughs> I would probably buy a house and then pay it off already. Um, and then, oh, I would have so much money sold off over. <laughs> I feel like I would buy a building Ooh. and then start my dream publishing house and shove it in the building. Mm-hmm. And that's how, and then I would invest the rest of it in um, other businesses, I guess. Because let's be real, if I was left to my own devices, I would just buy a van and I would chase UFOs around the country for as long as I could on this million dollars. So maybe this is why I'm not a billionaire. I would also use some of my money to actually like, I would use it for social justice reasons as well. Like I would probably use a lot of my money to help fund organizers to help pay for like just like investing in like minority businesses getting them off the ground and then obviously like you have shares in them I guess Mm -hmm. um and then whatever's left is like all right be a blessing Birmingham we're gonna bless you oh so there so I was when I went back to Alabama that summer I was with a friend 
uh, my friend Kendall, and I saw this website and it's called, I can't remember what it was called, but it's, it's a thing where it's like spend all of Jeff Bezos money. Uh-huh. And you're supposed to like go through and click what you would spend the money on. And let me tell you, let me tell you, it was so hard to spend just like a million dollars. And I was like, I have billions of dollars to spend, but I can't even spend the first million dollars. It's like, do I really need to buy like 10 houses? <laughs> I need to buy like 10 mansions and like 30,000 cars. Like, it's crazy. I feel like when you are not in the mindset of having money, you can't, even if you have a lot of money, you can't justify buying shit with it. Because it's just like, I don't need more than one house because I am one person. You don't want a summer home and then a winter home? Aaron, I barely <laughs> want to exist in a singular home. <laughs> I want to be in a van chasing UFOs. You think I want to live in a house, Aaron? <laughs> okay, I actually, okay, so actually, if you do, like, I want to chase UFOs as well. <laughs> so um, I would be willing to go off the grid and just. <laughs> That's it. I think I would just spend my billion dollars to build an off-the-grid queer farm where we just are, like, tracking UFOs in space. That sounds amazing. That's it. My dream with a billion dollars is to just make pockets of, like, gay communes around the world. Yeah, just buy the land, and then, like, after that, you can... You don't it's have just to... a trailer park. Yeah. And you know what? We're looking for cryptids and we're looking for Bigfoot and we're going to find the aliens. That sounds like communism I can support. Yeah, we love it. We love it. We love communism. Well, not everyone loves it. Um... I love like that. The part where I would look Joshua Love in the face say, Joshua, did you know that I'm an anarchist? You want to ask me about it and ask me 10,000 questions? Like you ask Aaron about communism and then he would just say no. Well, Leslie, what I don't understand how we can have anarchy because it you would just be- because the misconception about anarchy is that it is not the absence of rules. It is the absence of rules that we have to follow unwillingly. So, for example, like the absence of taxes, because we have to follow those rules without even thinking about them. It's like rules that we follow mindlessly and removing them. Okay, so in this moment, I'll be Joshua Love. Okay, uh-huh. but like rules are what. Not about the topic, Joshua. Rules are what help us make. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm okay. talking about billionaires. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, well, actually, we're actually out of time for billionaires anyway. So. Um, we will go on to our next topic, which I'm very excited to talk about, which is. Hi, everyone. This is a edit, a note, just to let you know that this next topic, while we're talking about books, there will be mentions of sexual assault and sexual harassment. So this is a content warning for people who may not want to hear that, just to let everyone know. Just books. So um, we can start talking. What are some things in books that we hate? Leslie and I are both in a book club. So we're actually in two book clubs. Um, Two? Yeah. What's our second one? The one with Josh. Oh, yeah. Has he read the book yet? You know what? (laughs) (laughs) Does he know we're in a book club? Does, Does Josh know we're in a book club together? He should. He's, he picked the first book. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about our book clubs first. Okay, and we also might have three next year when we read them Star Trek books together. Just be me and you. <laughs> oh my God. All right, so our first book club actually happened in the year 2019 um, in the summer. It's called Book Bitches. It's called Hashtag Book Bitches. Oh, I am so sorry to incorrectly say our <laughs> name. I'm sorry. It's actually Hashtag book bitches and it's with our friend Keisha <laughs> go ahead say the name of our book club with Josh say it say the whole group chat name our gr- <laughs> say it it's called um <laughs> bonnets for gays or I too have creamed before <laughs> let me get let me give you the history Tell them our names in the group chat. They don't need the history. They need our names. Okay. In the group chat, our names are <laughs> um, Joshua James, um, 
comma, cognitive dissonance advocate. <laughs> Leslie Ann, comma, Romulan rights activist. <laughs> Wait, I just looked at my name. <laughs> my name is like a Chinese counselor, Aaron Marquise, queen of Bob slash Japanese Not Aaron Marquise, queen of. But we got our name. We had a we had a group chat and we were all wearing satin bottoms because we got to keep our hair healthy. And then we added on or I too have cream before because we have so for some reason talked a lot about anal creaming. So. And we were trying to decide if like women can also anal cream or if it's just men. So if you can anal cream, please leave a comment and let us know. Please direct <laughs> me personally. My Wait. at also media <laughs> at Lonky underscore Kong. Let me know if you can anal cream. What? First of all, this bitch I have been a social media manager for us. Leave a comment if you do. <laughs> you will not be compensated for that. Uh, <laughs> the people need to know. Anyways, so we're in the book club. Yes. What books did we just read? So the book we just finished, or the book we're reading right now, wait, we're talking about Josh's Club or Keisha's Club? Okay, so with the one with Josh, which is, shit, what's our group name? Bonnets for the Gays, or I Too Have Creamed Before. We just finished... For colored girls who have considered suicide when... when the rainbow is not enough, which is a play, poetry? A cor- choral, choral po- poem is what it, I think it's called. But it's, yeah, like a play, musical, poetry together. We listened to the audiobook, right? Both of us? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I cried. I, I also cried. I cried in that last one. There was a lot of moments where I was like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah. It was I, good. I liked yeah. it more than I thought I, I would. I feel like Jalen, I, I wonder if Jalen has read it, because if he hasn't, I feel like he would also like it. He read it, and he reviewed it on Goodreads a few oh. years ago. He gave it a three out of five. Oh, and- don't know we should ask him why <laughs> I, was, I, I would like to know why i would too so um jaylen please direct message us <laughs> we should start a, we should start we should start another book club with Jay- <laughs> <laughs> who can't even keep up with one book club and read the books <laughs> god so with keisha we it was my pick this time and we picked a short, I picked, not we, I picked a short story collection called How Long Till Black Future Month by N.K. Jamison. Jamison. And I enjoyed it. I liked it. I don't think Keisha did, but Keisha told us many times that she does not like short story collections. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked them a lot. There were several that I enjoyed. There are a few that I forgot immediately. Mm-hmm. You have not finished it. No, I'm, I'm a very slow reader. Um, and Keisha and Leslie, they are both very, very like rapid, fast readers. Um, ain't hard. So, did you say it ain't hard? It ain't hard. It is hard. No, I have a question. When y'all read, do y'all do y'all like actually read, or do y'all like you know fast read, doing like the speed reading, skimming and stuff? What the hell? What? I read it, Aaron. What do you what? The hell? what? It's a book. I read it. I'm just wondering. my eyeballs look at the page and move with the sentences. Okay, I'm just. You don't do that technique where you put your finger in the middle of the page and you just go straight down. No, I do not. I read on ebooks. You can do that on the ebook. Oh well, I didn't know that. No, I don't do that. Um, <laughs> I've done that. You can go online if you go if you go to Google and you can look up speed reading tests. I've done it, and I do like. It's not like a speed reading test. It's like to see how fast you read per minute, how many WMP, W, whatever, words per minute you read. And I think mine is higher than the average because I've taken it a couple of times and I am slightly higher than average. Mm. I don't know why. Just. Well, the book that we read, uh, we're reading, or I said, I guess that I'm still reading <laughs> the book bitches, sorry, hashtag book bitches book club. Um, so far, I, I think it's okay. I'll probably end up giving it like maybe like three stars. Like I don't hate it, but I don't love it. It's just like it's okay. It's a hell of a lot better than the one we read before it, which I absolutely fucking hated. 
You picked that one, right? I did. I, it was called An Unkindness of Ghosts. And I don't By remember the Solomon. River Solomon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I liked their other book, um, The Deep. Mm-hmm. You would not like it because it's a slave narrative. Yeah. I your favorite that. type of no, story, your favorite it's narrative. Absolutely my favorite. <laughs> but um, I thought it was okay. It was just, I think that was their debut. And that's why I think it was kind of, um, it was just really slow. The pacing was off. I didn't care about most of those characters. I did not either. I hated that one doctor character. <laughs> I hated the horse romance. Yeah, it was so weird. It was too much. As an aromantic, I don't want to see romance ever in my life. <laughs> Disgusting. Well, we, but... should talk, we should talk about the, um, the uh, different perspectives of our book clubs and what we enjoy and what we do not enjoy. Oh, absolutely. So, Erin, describe your... Um, what you like in a story please tell us so i am a very um plot driven story um because if you if you can't if i can't connect the story in like the first like maybe 10 15 pages i immediately lose interest and i don't want to continue and this is why i get into so many reading slumps because i read the first 10 pages like oh this is so boring and i'll stop reading it and i'll choose another book to read so like you really have to like fucking hook me in the first like i'm very critical of the first 10 to 15 pages um i don't i'm i don't like uh I guess the kind of character development that I do like is stuff that is like, I guess like very like traumatic or stuff that is like, there's like blurred lines between like good and evil and stuff like that. Like I would argue that my favorite book in the entire world, The Stand has a lot of character development, but it's not about like, oh, this person went to an ice cream shop to have a date with a person. It's like, no, there's this evil man who's killing people and they all have to decide who they're going to sacrifice for whatever reason. Like, I like that kind of stuff. My favorite genres to read are horror, thriller, suspense, and science fiction. My mama told me to read The, the um, Stand. It's one of her favorite books. Oh, good pick. Which I think that's a lot about my mama. But it was not the first Stephen King book I read. So for me, what I like in a story... I can forgive it if it does not hook me in the first 10 pages. I can forgive. <laughs> um, I enjoy atmosphere more than anything. I think I also am very plot driven over character driven. I want to see the characters develop as the plot goes. Um, but I want atmosphere. I want it to like give me something unique. I want to see it like go somewhere weird. I love bizarre fiction I love it when it's just a little bit awkward a little bit weird a little bit what the fuck <laughs> like, like mind fucky type of deals not really so much like horror tropes as much as like you sit there and you think about it and you walk outside and you're triggered every time you go in the convenience store because you read convenience store woman and now it's the only thing you can think about are you projecting am I what are you projecting Oh, absolutely. I'm constantly projecting. <laughs> My third eye is leaking 24 7. Are you astral projecting? I'm always astral projecting. <laughs> I'm good at it now. <laughs> like, but I also enjoy like a good adventure. I want to be like taken on a journey with these people because I am the character. I don't give a shit about the characters because I'm the main character. This is all about me. I'm oh, on this journey. Do you prefer, do you, do you have a preference for like point of views? I prefer third person omnipotent. Mm, okay. Because I want to know what's happening with everybody. Because I'm nosy, first of all. I prefer third person limited or whatever the other one is called. I also like I, I hate, don't like first person, but I'll accept the third persons, but I prefer omnipotent. I think the only difference is that the genres I prefer, because I think we like similar stories, but I like fantasy, sci-fi, and speculative fiction (laughs) and horror. (laughs) That was so hard to say. Speculative fiction. Um, I do... I, I don't like fantasy. Um, I know multiple times. Well, the audience needs to know this. <laughs> I 
And I guess it's because anytime I read a a fantasy, it's usually like what people recommend is usually like a high fantasy. And I just don't like high fantasy. So maybe it's not that you don't like fantasy, it's that you don't like high fantasy. Yes. Because high fantasy can like eat my ass. Like half the time, it's just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Half the time, I think a lot of modern high fantasy is just like stroking its own dick about itself. So you can't really take it seriously. I do like grim dark fantasy though, even though all grim dark fantasy now is just stroking Game of Thrones dick, and we hate it. Mm-hmm. I did read this really good grim dark fantasy that you might like because they like crucified this man upside down and then nailed his ball sack to his asshole. Oh, that sounds amazing! And I was obsessed with this series. It was like low key Lovecraftian, but not until like later. But it was just so much. There was also gays. There were gays. Oh. That's all we wanted. Honestly. It's called God Blind by Anna Stevens, if any of y'all want to read it. Okay. Whose turn is it to pick next? Is it Keisha's turn? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Which, with Keisha, I will not disparage her for what she likes. Keisha (laughs) and character-driven stories that you really like get to know the characters over a longer period of time. I think she prefer- she likes slice of life more than we do. I know that's not the only thing that she likes. And she likes kind of like... <sighs> so all three of us are on the aromantic spectrum, right? Yeah. If you were to put us on a spectrum, I think Keisha likes romance and stories the best because she likes to read them because they make her heart happy. I'm like in the middle where it's like, I want, if romance is there, it's okay if it's unconventional, but if it's not, then it does not need to be the main focus. And I feel like you don't want to see it or you just don't care. I, yeah, I don't care. If they're fucking, I like that. I also, you know, that book that I got done reading that got me out of my slump, someone, there's someone inside your house, um, that had a little bit of romance in it. I actually had a lot of romance in it, to be honest, but it was so, I feel like it did not distract from the main plot, which was yeah. there was a killer on the loose. And I feel like if the romance does not distract or overpower the main plot, then it's okay for me. It has to be something very sub-level. I think I read that fantasy I read recently, Graceling. It had a fantasy, it had a romance kind of at the forefront, mm-hmm. but it was like non-conventional because it was like, I don't want to get married and I absolutely know that and it's okay. It's like okay how can we make our relationship work knowing we don't want to get married and then it's like i don't want to have children it's okay how can we make the relationship work with this and it was just like that was it and they were figuring that out That's and also that, talking about it's not something that i would see like in normal romantic tropes and books because i guess i'm also just tired of like two people meet up love at first sight they fall in love and like that's that that's the romantic plot of like every story ever but like if it's something that's more like what i would experience like oh here's like a fuck buddy once somebody catches feelings or like they don't want to get married but they want to be together or like it's a polyamorous or like somebody's aromantic someone's asexual or it's it's something besides just like they fall in love (laughs) yeah I agree. I think just because we don't experience that in our daily lives, I just don't relate to it on the page or on the screen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like there, I'm just like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? It's annoying at that rate because it's like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Get this way. Okay. So, what are some um, things? Because you are on Book Talk. I <laughs> um, was very, I was on Book Two for like two videos <laughs> that I stopped. <laughs> Um, but I still currently watch some booktube videos because I like to watch book hauls because I like to see people buy 40 to 50 books in one day, even though I could never afford that. And I have slowly been trying to get onto book talk. So I keep on Twitter. Oh yeah, that too. So what what is your experience with like, I guess, book social media? I say this as a very sexual person who has a lot of sex. And likes to keep sexual partners and likes to talk about it. I ask, I hate how much people on book talk talk about smut. Oh. Because I also like smut. I read smut fairly often, I guess. But you see, the difference between some of these bitches and some of these bitches is that (laughs) I 
cut my teeth on fan fiction. So like when I first started reading smut, I was reading fan fiction and a lot of people like to disparage fan fiction. And I guess like in some ways you can, but there's a big difference between like fan fiction smut and Wattpad smut. Oh God. And a lot of these book talk bitches are reading Wattpad smut. That is I was reading Tumblr smut and AO3 smut. Like I'm reading Spock and Kirk pawn far fucking each other. Like, wait, I'm confused. How are they? How are like, I get that people are writing like smut on Wattpad, but like, the Wattpad's like rating system is like, well, a lot of these Wattpad authors will get book deals. Okay. And so, and then I, a lot of these books that they do recommend are like Wattpad level type of writing. They're not like from Wattpad, but they could be. Mm, okay. Because a lot of people, or they're like talking about what would be like Harlequin romances or those stupid Ice Planet Barbarian books, because I read one of those. Um, it's like the type of smut that I see them reading is not what I would consider to be good smut because it's all very heterosexual. It's like BDSM, but the man's always the dom, first of all. Disgusting. Boy. Where's my pegging? Where's my pegging smut? You just make me spit out this orange juice. <laughs> I just want to see a man get pegged and then thank me for it. God. But it's like the smut they're reading, it's the same shit that you would get from people who read like Fifty Shades. It's mm. like, I've seen this before because I've read it before and I read it when I was 14, which I, I guess like, that interesting. Mostly, these are mostly 14 year olds, I guess. It also kind of freaks me out how many like teenagers I see posting publicly on public forums about how much smut they consume, God. which I've seen some older tick book talkers like post that's like, if you're a minor, you really shouldn't be posting about that because like creeps will use that to talk to you and also adults don't want to see you connected with that because it's extremely uncomfortable it is yeah which like i can see both sides of like kids deserve public expression but also like this is a public forum and people don't know how how to act right right um but i see adults reading a lot of this smut too and it's like do y'all not have sex (laughs) are y'all virgins like a lot of these people, I really just think they are virgins because only virgins would write this and they're writing it for other virgins who have never had sex before and don't know how it works. And they don't, they know that this is not sexy. This does not schematically work. I've had sex and I've tried to do some of this shit and it just, the semantics aren't there, sweetie. Wait, <laughs> what do you mean? Aren't there? <laughs> some of these poses, some of these places they're trying to have sex in, I'm like, y'all are going to get not only a yeast infection but you're gonna throw out your hip at the same time it's just, like, <laughs> just absolutely not and i've done some questionable things like you can do some questionable things and it'd be hot but like girlies this ain't it mm. and also I, so that's my biggest thing is i don't like how much people talk about smut on book talk because i think they just keep talking about the same shitty shit tier smut And it's like, I've read good smut because I read good smut on fanfic. Also, I think that I have like niche tastes maybe when it comes to smut. I don't think it's that niche, but I don't see it in like published fiction as much. Uh And I think too much, the smut caters too much to like heterosexual women. Uh Or it like is queer sex for heterosexual women. Mm-hmm. to consume it's always like mlm for the het woman to consume mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like i like reading mlm but i also have penis envy and i'm non-binary mm-hmm. and i like pegging so like i'm queer you're not so get out of here um i think after that after smut would be shit i had it in my head and then i forgot it. so what's your top one well i'm trying to remember what the hell i was thinking my top thing and i i'm not familiar with book talk but i'm familiar with book tube is the overwhelming obsession with ya fiction mm. i started book tube 
because I wanted to join us as a community of reading and just, I was like, I love reading and I like to talk about books. So it seems like it would be a good chance to join BookTube. And I didn't join as a booktuber, I just joined as a booktube, I guess, because I was just watching people's videos, I would comment, and I would take their recommendations and read them. And it got to a point where in college was also an interference, but I would read the books and I'd be like, eh. Because I I started like my like reading, reading, like when I was probably like maybe like in high school, I was reading adult fiction. Like I was reading like Stephen King. I was reading like a bunch of just like, shit that I, I was not really reading YA um, because it was really hard to find YA horror. And so I started reading a bunch of YA fiction and most of the YA fiction that they tend to recommend was like YA romances, YA rom-coms, YA slice of life. And I was just like, I mean, I want to read it because everyone else is reading it and it's popular and they have cute tight covers, but it's like, I don't, care where's the action where's the drama where's the thrill where's the scary horrifying where's the grossness like and then like there's no fucking in why rightfully so because they're you know not adults and there's like no like extreme like violence like they're not really going to distract somebody getting their head chopped off or like there's no like really like actual deep dive into things that i feel like adulthood that like happens to adults like sometimes like they don't really dive into like mental health issues or like any other kind of like issues that adults go through that someone reading life it's like some like 16 17 year old would not go through and i've gone past that i don't experience the stuff that 16 year olds experience anymore i'm 24 fucking years old so that is what kind of started i feel like a very like very long maybe like year or two long long like reading slump i was like i just don't maybe i just don't like reading for fun anymore but I was like, no, it's because you're reading shitty books and you're only, only reading them because people are telling you to read them because there are no booktubers at the time who are popular and posting about horror and sci-fi and stuff like that. And so I made a booktube account. And I was like, I'm going to post about stuff that I like to read that's like horror and sci-fi. And like no one really engaged because I wasn't really popular. But I eventually stopped posting because I was like, I just don't care about this community anymore because they only care about YA fiction. And now I absolutely fucking hate YA fiction. I will, in defense of YA literature, because <laughs> uh, I also dislike YA fiction to a deep degree, but I think that it has become better in our, like, adulthood, like, in our lifetime, because when we were, like, YAs, when we were young adults, when we were the teens, I don't remember much in the way of, like, we had, like, what, Twilight, Hunger Games, Divergent, we were, like, teenagers right when we hit the dystopian craze. Yeah. And so it's like, I can see how the YA landscape has changed in the past, like, decade. How there's, like, a lot more options for young readers. How there's a lot more, like, in different genres and more than just, like, what they had. There's a lot more in fantasy and sci-fi. It does delve into deeper topics now. It does, like, start touching on them. But it never goes as deep as I want it to. Mm-hmm. it's never quite as like horrifying quite as gripping as I quite want it to be occasionally mm-hmm. we get one where it's like okay 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 she's doing something she's going somewhere but um I think my issue with the YA community is I don't I think it's real suspicious <laughs> when an adult only reads young adult fiction <laughs> I think I enjoy a young adult like Graceling book I just talked about it's young adult we can enjoy a young adult book here and there but here's the thing I am not the person that this book is being written for and marketed towards so why is the biggest consumer base from a lot of these books adults and then why are they out here tweeting oh I just want to see more of xyz between these characters blah 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 is so hot this scene is so hot oh the fairy sex and the sarah J. mass books and it's just like girl this is for an 18 year old so i have a question for you as a future publisher i'm ready hit me so i remember watching uh, a video about this because i was also trying to explore why ya was like so popular and i was like there can't be like more young adult readers than they are adult readers because i was i also noticed that a lot of adults were reading ya and mm-hmm. i read something or in the video i watched they were saying something about the fact that like ya has gotten so popular that like 
a lot of the times publishers not even marketing them towards like young adults, but they're marketing them towards young adults and adults. Mm-hmm. Is that true? I would believe it. I haven't read articles about it, but I can definitely see through like social media marketing alone that I would 100% agree that YA novels are being marketed past their audience simply because it's a smart business model. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, there's a lot of money to be made in YA books because not only are libraries and like um, schools buying them, but a lot of these like teenagers, how many teenagers have a job, right? Yes. And how many teenagers have the disposable income to get all these books? Obviously, like a good chunk of them do. I was a teenager who would like get books. My mom would buy me the new like Percy Jackson books every year for my birthday. So like, but that's the thing. Like my sister and I got the new Harry Potter books. We got the new Percy Jackson books, but they were birthday presents. Kids only have one birthday. Mm -hmm. But adults who work a job and have disposable income, they are the ones who can really do these book hauls, right? A lot of like book haul people that I see aren't teenagers. I see a few. I do see a few. They're out there. But a lot of these book haul bitches that I see, they've got full-time jobs. They're like in college or they're in the workforce because they're the ones who have the income to buy these books, to build up the following and then get sponsored and then get more books. I think some teenagers are able to do it um but I think that's partially it is that it is also we see so many of these like if you're on like book talk booktube or whatever you'll see a lot of like book subscription boxes I think the first one I ever saw was Owl Crate and now there's like book of the month and there's like seven different ones now uh-huh. where you subscribe monthly and they send you like a book I know on Alcrate, they send you like one book from a major publisher and I think one from a minor publisher and they just fill it full of shit. They fill it full of like merch. Yeah. For different books. It's just a bunch of crap. Yeah. And then there's some boxes. I think they only send you books, but they're books I've never fucking heard of and they never look interesting to me. And it's always like that like a lot of these people will do these book crate orders like these book subscriptions but like who has that who who has that kind of money girl I barely want to pay for my Spotify subscription yeah and I use that daily Uh but um so yeah I do see why they would do it because it is a good marketing idea because it opens up who's buying your books right Uh and it targets a market of like new adults who have the disposable income and they don't necessarily maybe have the responsibility that maybe older adults do Mm -hmm. and therefore want to spend more of their disposable cash on things like books. And you said earlier um, about how like when we joined, it wasn't, the content was a little bit different and now they're like touching more on these these topics that weren't touched on previously. And I have also heard that like, as people like, write books and stuff and they submit them to like publishers and stuff they um either tell them like well you should like you know rewrite revise this as not adult as like ya because it'll sell better or they're like now they're like you know since we want more audiences let's make the content let's like move it in terms of like the rating for like age range let's like move it up a little bit let's make it a little bit a little bit more graphic a little bit more sexually explicit so that we can now have even more people reading this so we can make more money even though certain age groups should probably not be reading certain things because they're widening the age group for like YA. I've heard that too. I've heard of that as well. I've heard that a lot of women specifically will get put into a YA bracket, even if oh, yeah. they're originally white writing for YA. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that's insidious in a lot of ways. I see why they do it from a business mindset as like an aspiring publisher. I get it. I see why they're doing it. As a consumer, I think it's fairly, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't like it at all, which is why I find myself pulling away from a lot of like major publishers. Now, obviously, like a lot of the imprints we read from are going to be under one of like yeah. the big three now. What is it? What is it? It was like the big five publishers, which was and like, I- I'm going to recite them. Hang on. It was HarperCollins. Simon & Schuster, Macmillan, Hatchet, and Penguin. It is now 
um, Random House, Penguin Random House, Simon and Schuster, because Penguin Random House merged. It was a huge deal when they merged. And I think they just bought out Simon and Schuster and are becoming this major conglomerate, which is like a kind of a horrible thing. Um, Macmillan still stands strong. HarperCollins still stands strong. And Hatchet still stands strong outside of the um, Penguin Random House, Simon and Schuster conglomerate. <laughs> Those cowards at Simon and Schuster selling out. Those cowards. That's excluding things like Scholastic and McGraw Hill, which would be like educational, right? Yeah. Um. So, for example, like my favorite, I suppose, mainstream publishing house would be Tor, Tor Publishing, which is an imprint under Macmillan. <laughs> so obviously, like my money is still going to Macmillan, but. I liked one. But I find myself like wanting, like pulling more into like these smaller imprints or into independent publishers just because like I don't want to read the same Mm -hmm. YA fantasy something or I don't want to read the same Reese Witherspoon book club. Oh God. I love Reese Witherspoon, but I hate all of her book club choices. There's a specific like type of book that I hate that they try to gear that they try to like push all adults to read, and it's the same books that get put on Reese Witherspoon, Oprah Winfrey's lists, and they're all like, I read it and I see how like people who don't read a lot of books think that it's deep, but I read a lot of books, so I know this is not deep. This is pretentious. <laughs> like I just can't. I just can't take it seriously. All right. So as a last question before we wrap up this podcast, um, I know that you are on book top. So I'm wondering, like, how do you how would you say your book top, if it is different from like other book talkers besides the like obsession with smut? (laughs) (laughs) I guess like not to sound like other girls. I'm not like other girls. Mm, okay. Um, <laughs> a lot of the books I post about are just I never see other bitches post about them. Uh-huh. They're not mainstream. I never see other bitches talk about them. I also like get to books a lot later than other people because I don't like to read them when they first come out. I like to wait usually, unless it's an author that I really like. Because I just want to see what the reviews are going to look like before I buy it. Or I want to see if it's, like, actually trash so I don't waste my money on it. Um, But when I post on BookTok, I think a lot of the books I talk about are just not books that I ever have. Like, half the books I read, dude, I don't know a single other person who've read them. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, no other bitch in my circle is out here reading Octavia Butler None of y'all, nobody on this bird app, nobody on this damn TikTok music app. It's like, I just read shit and then I post about it. I'm like, this was a really good book because of X, Y, Z. And obviously I don't expect to get a lot of traction because I'm not really like, I don't post a lot. I'm not an established user, but I just don't see anyone posting about these books. And I think that part of it is that the reason people get so popular is that they post about books people already know about, right? Yeah. They can associate them with these books that they know and they're like, okay, okay, okay. And they can kind of roll with it. But I think there are like, obviously there's like other people who have similar book tastes to me. I think it's just hard to find them on social media because it gets buried in like what's mainstream or what's trendy. I think- because I don't, I don't know why I have this deep-seated hatred of following trends that I have to just reject it with my full body like I'm some kind of cyberpunk hipster. Okay, <laughs> I'll like get over it, but today is not that day. It's not that week. But whenever I see a book get super trendy or like it's really popular, I immediately don't want to read it. Like the Southern... Southern Guide to Vampires. <laughs> that Southern Lady's Guide to Vampire <laughs> Hunting. Vampire. I read it like a year and a half after it was popular when I saw no one else talking about it again. And then I read it and then it was trash. It was utter, it was trash. 
this is a spoiler. Um, I don't care because you shouldn't want to read that book. But the woman, there was a woman in that book who was raped by a vampire and then she died as a result of the rape. She died. And that is, ooh, I read that. was written by a man. It was. (laughs) It was right after I read that asshat, that my, my blood enemy he is the Romulan to my clan on. I wish nothing but death upon his family. <laughs> Christopher Pallini. Christopher Pallini. <laughs> right after I read his stupid book, To Sleep in a Sea of Fucking Stars, which was like. Was that not- the actual title? To Sleep in a Sea of Fucking Stars. <laughs> <laughs> which was like 6,000. It was like 700 pages. I fucking read all of it. I think it was like 800. I read all of it and it was the most bizarre thing because he was talking about like this girl's body and I've never read about women's body and felt so uncomfortable like someone was touching me even though no one was touching me because he was talking about her period and how the xenomorph on her body was digesting it I guess and how she had sex with you I hate it when men I hate men I hate women period But I specifically hate when men write about women's bodies, women having sex, and violence on female bodies because it always feels like a plot point to them. That was my main issue with Grady Hendrick's book, Southern Vampire Slaying, whatever, is that the rape happened to that woman to further the plot. It did not happen to her as like a woman's experience. It was a plot point. And then the next book I read after that was God Blind by Anna Stevens, the one where they nailed his scrotum sack to his asshole. And there was a rape scene in that book, but it didn't bother me because the female character then killed her rapist, first of all. But also, I feel like when women write sex or when they write sexual assault scenes or sexual assault, I guess we should trigger warning this for like me talking about this in hindsight. Uh, please put that at the beginning. I will. But um, when we have, when women put that in stories, it doesn't feel like it's happening to the female character. It feels like the female character experiences it and then copes with it or like deals with it. I don't know if those are the correct words, but as someone who has experienced like sexual assault, sexual harassment at the hands of men, I understand what it is to like heal afterwards and what it is to like experience the aftermath. And when I read it written by women, I see those same steps. I recognize it. When I read sexual assault or like sex and like men's stories written by men, it feels callous. It just feels like, oh, this happens. Ha ha ha. This happens. It's just like torture porn. It's torture porn of women in fiction. And there's nothing I hate more in this world than torture porn forced on female bodies. Mm-hmm. Because um, I've experienced that. So shut your mouth or I'll shut it for you is essentially how this goes. So Christopher Pellini can meet me in any street at any time. I will street fight him. I will win. And then um, I will oh, use- <laughs> You heard that Christopher Pellini? They <laughs> will beat your ass on sight. <laughs> And I will use his femur to beat up Grady Hendrix. (laughs) That's what's going to happen. I, ooh, I hate. Christopher, if Christopher Pellini ever writes another book, I will personally, personally fly to his home in Montana, because I'm pretty sure he lives in Montana, knock on his door and punch him in the face. I will personally break his nose. Because he's a menace. He does not need to write another thing in his entire life. To any of the legal authorities out there, Leslie's most comments do not re- uh, reflect neither the, podcast <laughs> or the podcast host's views. They are my own views. Thank you. responsibility for them. Um, Christopher Pellini, your lawyer can direct message me. Thank you. Oh, oh my God. I have my own representation ready. Oh, answer that TikTok audio. Count your motherfucking days. <laughs> oh my god. I was gonna say something about um what you were talking about. <laughs> I forgot after this whole Christopher Lady shit. Uh, what was I gonna say? Um well, it doesn't matter. 
but it doesn't matter. Um, well, that's the <laughs> not a fucking fever. <laughs> this is the end of our podcast. Um, Leslie, thank you for filling in for Josh. Um, having me. I mean, honestly, anytime Josh is not available to record, this was perfect chemistry. <laughs> so, okay, we have part two of the Mocha episode. Yes. Um. So yeah. Uh. Remember, Instagram handle is at Blackroom Podcast. Um. And rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for coming and goodbye. Please leave a comment if you have ever anal anal creamed before. Please let us know about your experience. (laughs) Do you also hate Christopher Pellini? What do you hate to see in books? Leave us a message.